Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are now live with the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and we have a great topic on deck for you today. So this is episode 13 of the Kaderna Podcast. And what we're going to be talking about today is, I think, of the utmost importance for every American to have at least a general understanding of often associated with retirees and our senior citizens, but I think that all generations, uh, even those younger ones, the millennials and uh, folks coming behind us, should have a grasp on, and that is Social Security. Okay, Social Security is such an influential system, uh, such an influential entitlement that we've all earned in a way that we need to be aware of how it works, uh, what kind of shape it's in today, and how it's going to affect you and your financial plan, because it is just such an impactful system that was created, you know, almost 100 years ago now, but perhaps having its biggest impact ever uh, in today's day and age. So what exactly is Social Security? Why don't we start there, and then we'll start to talk about what it's going to do in your world. So it's perhaps the most addressed aspect of retirement planning, yet often the least understood. Uh, Many pre-retirees are kind of downplaying its significance, saying, you know, it's just a small bonus that I'll get on top of my 401k or on my pension. But in reality, Social Security actually replaces about 40% of an average wage earner's income after retiring. All right, over 40% of your income could be replaced by Social Security, making it today the largest source of retiree income. Okay, and aside from defined benefit pensions, it's really the only guaranteed annuity of sorts that that you can rely upon. All right, again, as of today, there could be some changes down the pipe, which we're, we're gonna get into in a minute. So like I said, you know, every generation should be aware. I know that a lot of young professionals, a lot of millennials are pretty fond of saying, you know, who cares about Social Security? It's not even going to be there when I retire. And they'll often cite different projections, even from the Social Security Administration, that references their reserves could be depleted by the year 2034. All right. So again, in 2034, the Social Security Administration has said that their reserves could actually be depleted if we don't make some drastic changes to the system right now. Um, So I think a lot of people are afraid of that. So they say, eh, Social Security, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not even going to plan around it. But again, when it's actually the largest source of retiree income, we do need to think about it because if it's not there, it could kind of blindside some of us. So what does Social Security do? Let's take a closer look at that. Essentially, the Social Security retiree benefit pays a guaranteed income for life for you and your spouse. All right, the current system also includes cost of living adjustments that are based on the consumer price index. All right, so that's there to kind of combat inflation along the way. And as of today, 2019, the minimum retiree benefit for someone who has worked over 30 years in their career is $872 at their full retirement age. All right, that's the minimum. So certainly not a small amount to kind of shun to the side when we're considering we could get that every month for all of retirement. Again, the minimum. The maximum benefit in 2019 at full retirement age is $2,861 a month. All right, and if you were to defer all the way to age 70, which we're going to get into in a moment, how you can actually increase your benefit. If you were to defer to age 70, the maximum payout could be $3,770 a month. 
Okay, so think about that, guys. We're talking over $3,700 a month of guaranteed income all the way throughout retirement. All right, pretty nice number considering that the average wage in the U.S. today is $48,000 a year. Okay, $48,251 to be exact. So when we think of it that way, I mean, we're replacing almost all of the average income just through our Social Security benefit. And again, that's the maximum that we're talking about. But I think, you know, the point being here, it's not something that we should ever downplay. It's a very valuable benefit and we need to understand how it works and how we can take advantage of it. So how do they actually calculate that benefit? How do you know what you're going to be entitled to? Well, let's go over some of the prerequisites. First, to be eligible for these benefits, you must have worked at least 40 lifetime work credits or work quarters. Okay, so in a, a quarter in a year, of course, is three months, four quarters in a year. That means to accumulate 40 lifetime work credits, you would have worked at least 10 years paying your FICA or your Social Security tax. All right. Furthermore, if we want to, you know, certainly get more than that minimum there, what the Social Security system is going to do is they're going to look at the highest 35 years of income that you earned and average that. And that's how they're going to calculate your benefit. And now you might be saying, well, you know what, in my career, I worked 20 years. You know, I was at work through my 20s and 30s, had a couple kids, you know, maybe I was staying home, raising them, and then I went back to work in my 50s. And when it was all said and done, you know, I contributed 20 or 25 years into the system. What happens then? All right, they're still going to take the highest 35 years. If you only had 25 years of work history, they're going to add 10 zeros in there. All right, they're going to add a zero for every year you didn't have income. And obviously, that's going to weigh down what your Social Security benefit could be. All right, so where are we actually contributing to that system? How are we earning those quarters or credits? Everybody today in America has to pay a FICA tax. Okay, what that is, is that's the Federal Insurance Contribution Act. All right, so if you want to try and impress your friends with a little bit of boring financial trivia, the FICA tax is the Federal Insurance Contribution Act. All right, that was created in 1935 by the Social Security Act. All right, furthermore, the part of it that we're talking about today is the FICA OASADI, okay, which is O-A-S-A-D-I. All right, and what that stands for is Old Age Survivors and Disability Insurance Trust Fund. Okay. So that's the part that's going to what we all kind of, uh, you know, think of when we talk about Social Security retirement benefits. All right. What that tax is, is it's a Social Security tax, often referred to as the FICA tax, that every employee pays on their income, which is 6.2% of earnings up to $132,900 here in the year 2019. So what does that mean? Every dollar I make up to $132,900 is getting hit with a FICA tax of 6.2%. Now, you might be saying, hey, I see a number on my pay stub that it looks closer to 7.65% that's getting withheld from my pay. That extra 1.45% is actually going to Medicare, um, which we could certainly talk quite a bit about in future episodes, but we're going to sidestep that for today. I think Social Security gives us enough uh, content for us to, to try and digest in one episode. All right, so again, we're paying 6.2% of our income to the FICA tax all the way up to 132900 
What happens when we make more than that? What if we're making 140,000 or 150 or 200? Any of the dollars you earn above 132,900 will not be subject to your FICA tax. And that's where you have some folks say, hey, I don't get this. I'm, I'm making a flat salary throughout the year for 200 grand. But all of a sudden, you know, after the summertime, my paycheck goes up. And the reason being is that FICA tax, that 6.2% is no longer being withheld. All right, you've already maxed that out. So in theory, if you did that every year for 35 years, now you've actually maxed out the Social Security system. And that's where you could get those larger retiree benefits that I mentioned earlier. Again, at full retirement age, 2,861. If you were to defer until 70, which is as far as you can go, that benefit could then be as large as $3,770. All right, makes sense. Hopefully everybody's still on the same page as me. And now you're probably saying, all right, I kind of get how the system works. Uh, that benefit's not as negligible as I thought it was. It's, it's pretty valuable now that I think about it. So when do I actually collect Social Security? When do I actually get to kind of reap the rewards of all those contributions that I paid my whole career? All right, so when do we collect it? Let's take a look. The earliest you're allowed to collect Social Security is going to be at age 62. Okay. Now, if you collect that early, you're going to be getting a reduced benefit. All right. Taking your benefits early re results in a reduced rate of about one half of 1% for each month before your full retirement age. Okay. Another way to look at that is every year that we delay or defer our benefits, all right, our benefit is actually compounding or growing by 8% annually. All right. So if we collect that 62, we're going to be subject to a reduced benefit. Uh, whereas once we reach our full retirement age, that's when you get your full retirement benefit. And then any years we defer beyond full retirement, we're going to continue to get an 8% growth on that Social Security benefit. Okay, so you got kind of a window there between the ages of 62 and 70 when you could be thinking about, hey, do I want to collect Social Security or... Should I kind of hang on tight? And if you're saying, all right, you're going on about this whole full retirement age thing, what is my full retirement age? Uh, you can look this up on, you know, on socialsecurity.gov, but for just trying to give you all the info I can in one segment here, those of you born before the age of nine, or excuse me, born before the year 1954, your full retirement age is age 66. Those of you born after 1960, okay, born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. All right, if you were born somewhere in between 1955 and 1959, your full retirement age is going to be 66 and change, uh, depending on which year that was. It'll be 66 in two months or four months, etc. Okay. So that think of that as kind of like the, the basis of what's going to dictate your benefit is that full retirement age. All right. Now, if you were going to collect that 62, let's say, hey, I've been contributing to this thing for so many years. I want my money. I want to get paid. I want to try and get some of that back. All right. What's going to happen is you might not actually be fully retired. Let's say that you're continuing to work in your 60s. That can have a big impact on what your actual benefit is. If you work and start receiving benefits before that full retirement age, your benefits actually going to be reduced for every dollar 
or excuse me, reduced by $1 for every $2 in earnings over the prevailing annual limit. Okay, so when you say, I want to collect Social Security benefits, I'm under my full retirement age, I'm still working, your benefit is now going to be reduced by $1 for every $2 that you earn over the prevailing limit. That prevailing limit today in 2019 is $17,640, okay? Once you reach your full retirement age, at that point, you can make as much money as you want and there will be no reduction to your retirement benefit, okay? So again, you can at that point say, hey, I'm collecting my social security benefit. I still wanna work and you will not be penalized or, or have a reduction of any sort to retiree benefit. Okay, once you've reached full retirement age. All right, so definitely want to keep that in mind. Now, next question, how does all this get taxed? This is a, something I hear a lot from my clients. I know when I want to collect Social Security, I get it, I'm ready to go. Is it all tax-free? All right, the taxation to Social Security has changed over time, you know, as the IRS so, you know, often likes to do with us, kind of play those games. But as of today, 50% uh, of your benefit can be federally tax-free for joint filers that are making below $44,000 of combined income. All right. After that amount, 15% is going to be tax-free. Uh, the rest you'll be subject to uh, federal income tax on. Okay. So this consequence should definitely weigh into decisions as far as when to withdraw, you know, some of maybe your pre-tax retirement money. Uh, if you do want to continue working in your later years, and what's that whole effect going to have uh, on your tax situation? All right, so all things to consider. And just to try and give you some more information as you're making this, what could be the biggest financial decision you ever make, you may now be saying, hey, what's in it for my family? Okay, so a lot of people that are having kind of that debate, do I collect early? Do I wait to full retirement age? Do I try and defer? Okay, I, I often tell people Social Security is not in the life insurance business. And what I mean by that is if you say, you know what, I want to keep deferring, all right, to try and create a larger benefit for later on. And then all of a sudden you have a heart attack at 65 or 66, and maybe you were only collecting for a month or two or not at all. It's not like all of a sudden you get to go backwards and recoup those four years that you missed. Unfortunately, that financially was not the best choice for you. Of course, though, none of us have that crystal ball, so there, there always is going to be a bit of a guessing game involved as far as when should I collect Social Security. Obviously, if we defer and we live beyond life expectancy, now it's really working to our benefit. But if we were to defer and then unfortunately pass away early in retirement, now we may be lost money as opposed to if we were collecting at 62 or 63, right? So how do uh, family members get affected by all this? A spouse, even or if he or she didn't have any earned income in her career, is entitled for a spousal benefit. And, and what that means is if he or she is age 62 or older, okay, or at any age, if he or she is caring for your child, the child being someone under the age of 16 or disabled, then that spouse is entitled to the spousal benefit. What is the spousal benefit? That is going to be 50% of the higher earners benefit, okay? So essentially, you have the option to, to choose between these two benefits, either your own, 
what you've earned on your own merits, or 50% of your spouse's if that was to be a higher benefit, okay? So definitely things to kind of think about. Um, nowadays, they have what are called deemed filing rules. And that essentially means that when you file for your Social Security benefit, you're filing for both automatically. You're filing for your own benefit and 50% of your spouse's, and then they're automatically going to pay you the higher of those two benefits, okay? Now, let's fast forward. We're actually in retirement. And what happens if you should pass away? Okay. And you leave behind a widow who's still alive. Okay. Your family or your spouse, I should say, may be eligible to continue your benefits based on your work record. What essentially happens when you boil it all down is the widow or the surviving spouse is now able to take the higher of the two. What that means is you're going to be losing a social security benefit, all right? You don't get to carry the two benefits in perpetuity. Once one of the spouses pass away, you only keep the higher of the two. So obviously that could be a big impact on your retiree income if you were set to a certain budget and then all of a sudden overnight, we lose one of those fixed income sources when we you know, lose our spouse. Of course, that requires some proactive financial planning, uh, certainly makes an argument for, uh, you know, kind of saving for a rainy day fund or oftentimes keeping life insurance in effect in retirement. Again, kind of becoming that permission slip to enjoy both Social Security benefits and know that now once one passes away and we lose a benefit, we could replace a lot of that lost income via the life insurance. Okay, it's a common strategy there. All right, so there's a lot of factors that we need to uh, consider throughout all this. Um, you might be saying, hey, you know, half of folks today, they end up getting divorced. What happens if I get divorced? What happens to that Social Security benefit? As long as you were married for at least 10 years, okay, and then divorced for two years or longer and unmarried, all right, and you're now at least the age of 62, you're still entitled to that spousal benefit or 50% of your ex's benefit once you reach your full retirement age. Okay, so that's that's still in effect. As you can see, guys, there's a lot of uh, information that we've been going over here, but this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg as far as what to think about and how the social security system works. Some of the main questions, of course, I get is when do I collect? <clears throat> Again, we don't have a crystal ball or else we'd all know exactly when we should kind of turn that on. Um, however, it, there's a lot of different influencing factors. One of the biggest ones, would, I would say, is certainly longevity. Uh, if you're in poor health, um, nobody in your family's made it past the age of 70, then, yeah, you certainly want to turn on Social Security as soon as you can and start receiving that benefit, all right? or at least that's something, a thought process you might be going through. If you're saying, hey, I'm in tip-top shape, my mom lived until she's 99, all right, now you might be thinking, you know, we've got longevity here. I need to provide myself a lot of income for a retirement that could be pretty lengthy. Now we might be thinking about deferring and, and building a larger uh, income source in those later years. Okay, so there's a lot to think about in that respect. And then there's the normal financial uh, factors. Maybe you're saying I've had enough of work. I'm ready to retire, but I want to defer my pension. I want to defer drawing on my retirement accounts. And so now I want to collect Social Security a little bit earlier to kind of bridge that gap, maybe from 62 to 65, something to that effect. 
So there's so many different things here that we have to take account of. And that's ultimately why you want to try and fold all of this into an overall financial plan. Uh, none of these things are really working in a vacuum. They're all going to be interconnected uh, to some respect. All right. So I wish I could take more of your questions right here over the podcast, but hopefully I've hit on most of the, the prime questions that I hear regarding Social Security. And now lastly, if you're saying, hey, I get all that, I'm glad I know more about it, but I'm still hearing that it's, it's just one gigantic Ponzi scheme where I'm putting in money to pay for these current retirees that are milking the system. How am I going to be taken care of? It's not like I'm going to get my own dollars back when I retire. All right. Like I mentioned, the Social Security Trust Fund is estimated to be exhausted in the year 2034, which is a little bit frightening. And so I, I certainly underscore the need to kind of pay your own way and begin investing early in retirement planning and all that stuff. A lot of this is subject to just political agendas. All right? It's a hot button issue that everyone wants to talk about. How do we fix Social Security? But then when push comes to shove, a lot of politicians kind of shy away from it because it's something that so much of the voting population is banking on. We don't want to think about either A, reducing benefits or capping benefits, or B, raising taxes to keep funding this program. So there's a lot of different things that we have to kind of think about in this respect. All right. So again, it's, it's a system that's funded by taxation of wages. All right. 6.2% of every dollar you earn up to that 132900 is getting paid towards Social Security. If you're self-employed and you're responsible for all of that payroll tax, now it could be 12.4%. Okay. Then what they're going to do is average your highest 35 years of wages, and they're going to see what's your Social Security benefit. All right. You need to earn at least 40 credits or 40 quarters. That means you have to work at least 10 years, and then you and your spouse will qualify for a benefit. All right. Your full retirement age is going to depend upon the year that you were born. I just kind of gave you a little overview of that, but you could certainly look that up. Very available information. And then the age that you activate your benefits is going to affect how much you actually receive. Okay. Your benefit could then also increase by a cost of living adjustment, not guaranteed, but based on the CPI. And then you also want to be aware of any taxes that may be due on your benefit. All right. And lastly, in those that kind of that corridor there between 62 and full retirement age, your benefit may end up being reduced if you're still working. Okay. So get to know all that. Um, get to understand that spousal benefit. That's, that's very valuable, especially if you were a homemaker or your spouse was a homemaker. Get to know the widow benefit. Okay, you're just collecting one of the higher of the two. And then the divorced uh, spousal benefit, which I mentioned, as long as you were married over 10 years, you can still be entitled uh, to that spousal benefit. All right, so there's a lot of things to kind of think about with this system. The last thing that I want to impart with you, because again, this is one last question that I get all the time on Social Security, kind of a big deal, is what about file and suspend? Okay. File and suspend was a strategy that was extremely popular that now has pretty much gone away. Okay. Uh, there were drastic changes to the Social Security uh, system signed into effect on November 2nd, 2015. One of the biggest ones was doing away with this quote unquote loophole known as file and suspend. What that was is you would say, okay, I'm going to file for my benefits 
and then immediately suspend them. While my benefits are on suspension, I'll take the spousal benefit, I'll collect 50% of my spouse's benefit and keep deferring mine and keep letting it cook. And then eventually when I hit 70 or, or whenever I'm ready, I'll switch from that spousal benefit now to my higher deferred benefit. All right, kind of in a way double dipping from the pot. So where are we today? Um, file and suspend is gone. Uh, a spouse, however, who is full retirement age and born before January 1st, 1954, can file what's called a restricted application for the spousal benefit. All right, they must not have uh, begun their own benefits. And now what they can do is they can go ahead, file a restricted application just for the spousal benefit, receive that benefit, and continue deferring their own benefit to age 70, and then switch and say, okay, I'll collect my own benefit now at the higher level, okay? So we can't really do the file and suspend we all used to be used to back in the day, but there is for that, that small uh, you know, sector of the population uh, opportunity to file a restricted application and get kind of a similar benefit there. All right, so that was the last little uh, bonus tip that you got today. All right, I know we went over a lot of stuff. This one went over our usual 20-minute goal. We're, I think, about 25 minutes in or so. But I hope that you were able to digest as much of this as you can. If not, go back, re-listen to the podcast. I've written a lot of articles on the subject, so you could certainly Google those. Um, But I hope this was beneficial for you. Very important stuff to know about retirement. So thanks for tuning in to the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. It's been fun. Can't wait to see you next week. Take care. The Kaderna podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Listeners should contact their own tax or legal advisors in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities products and services and advisory services are offered through PAS, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor, 973-244-4420. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance LLC are not affiliates or subsidiaries of PAS or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance LLC, a general agency of the Guardian. PAS is a member of FINRA SIPC, California Insurance License Number OK04194.